Because I'm getting older or what the deal is, but I feel like this happens to me more and more now where the start of a season happens. I'm like, holy crap, it's actually just here. Like I've I've been doing more homework, doing a ton of prep, right? You have to sit down and basically spend hours and hours and hours going over notes and watching preseason games and all of a sudden they go, hey, it's real. It's real now. Do the thing. It counts now. Yeah, I guess maybe it's just part of being in the content game over and over and over again where you just, okay, now here's the real. And then it kind of dawns on you the day after the first game where you go, oh, no, there's actually some things to discuss yeah, yeah. rather than ideas to Some discuss. real, like, talking points here. So today will be the final day of purely ideas. <laughs> We're just spitballing. Just pure <laughs> ideas from me about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was nice watching hockey last night. A really nice watch Naki last night. And Bedard, like, did everybody watch? Like, did everybody, yeah, got thumbs up across the board. No Mackie, just the only one that didn't clock this one. That was, uh, like, he, Bedard didn't score, but that was very much a, even if you were casual, you could figure out that that guy was different, right? Yeah, you right away were like, oh, he's the best player on this team. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. And all I could think of was how big it's going to be for hockey if he hits the way we think he's going to hit. And from just that, it's one game. It's just a little tiny sample. It, it's very fun watching Peter Morazic stand on his head in the contract <laughs> year in front of Kyle Dubas. Is Kyle Dubas watching from up there going, hmm, who's that guy? Should pay him maybe a three-year contract well over market value. Maybe I should trade for Nick Foligno, who, whose line scored the game-winning goal and the empty netter. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't help but think about that a lot last night of just what Bedard is going to mean to the NHL and how important it is that a player in that market, and this is why I made all those jokes about Anaheim last year and San Jose last year where I said, no, this cannot happen. He cannot go to those places. I encourage the NHL to rig it so that he goes to Chicago because he could end up being, they did all these features of him and Sid and the pass the torch thing. And it was kind of funny because watching them, you could tell Sid's a great guy and he's playing along, but he's also not ready to just hand the league over. Yeah, he's like, I'm still Bedard. here playing. Yeah, he's, I'm he's, still an active player. He's still looking <laughs> to have a Stanley, another Stanley Cup ring on his finger. I don't think that they make the Eric Carlson move without the consideration of, hey, we're trying to win around Sidney Crosby. But you could kind of feel it last night. You could kind of feel the, huh, this, is, this could be the next guy. He kind of looks like the next guy. Anyway, it was fun. Um, Leafs 2023-2024 season. I said this yesterday with Myrtle, but I really believe it today. I'm going to reiterate it today. There's something freeing to me about watching these guys, knowing that it's not the all-in season anymore, that we don't need to frame it as the all-in season of the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Austin Matthews is committed to another four years here in Toronto. And as long as Austin Matthews here, one of the best five forwards in the NHL, you're trying to win Stanley Cups and you're doing just about whatever it takes to get that done, right? Like you're, you're going to spend, obviously you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're going to spend the cap, but you're going to make like damn sure, damn sure, damn sure, damn sure that your team is 
plus, plus, plus full of talent. And that's why, like, I'm not overly concerned about the Nylander story. Like, the Nylander thing is just, it's, it's going to be something we discuss all year long, but I really don't get the sense it's going to be as pertinent or as big of a story until maybe around the deadline, people will kind of check in on it. Maybe there's a flare-up with a coach at some point, like if he gets benched or something, like or take loses some power play time. We have some light conversations about it. But for the most part, I'm staking my opinion on this early. I think William Nylander will return to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if he doesn't, it's going to be for some astronomical number. And yeah, then you can kind of throw barbs at the Leafs because they'll have let a player who I think is in the top 25 in the NHL walk for nothing, which would be a huge, 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 huge mistake. Even if you don't think that this core four or whatever is going to end up winning a Stanley cup, even if you are in the camp of believing that they are fully flawed. But I just think that this window conversation that we had with the Leafs now extends another four seasons with Austin Matthews. And that's what we're looking at here. And so I like that that urgency is a bit gone, that there's a new general manager and yeah, things could happen where there's a shakeup above him. A lot of people think that Brendan Shanahan skated without a lot of blame last year or for the failures of this team. But I don't know. I, I kind of get a, a sense of a bit of renewal with this Toronto Maple Leafs team. And we focused, and I've done this too, and, and I'll admit it. I've been a part of this whole, hey, the Leafs, are they the same team? Are they the same team? Are they the same team? Hey, how are we going to spin this thing any differently? How are people going to get involved in the regular season? How are people going to get up for regular season games knowing that, the ultimate prize is the Stanley Cup and what they do in the, now the second round. Now, I think them winning a playoff round, as stupid as this sounds, because it's really not that much. Like, I don't... It, that was a nice moment. That was a fun moment. It was a monkey-off-your-back moment. I don't view it as some big accomplishment. So if you're going to aggregate this or do whatever, it's going to be hilarious if you say, oh, he's celebrating the first round. This is what Leafs Radio is doing. This is what Leafs podcasters are doing is celebrating the first round. No, I think it's a huge disappointment, but I do believe there's something at least to, they got that little part out of the way. They fell on their faces afterwards. They didn't really prove too much, but at least they know they can win a playoff round. At least they know it's possible to do this thing. And, and I don't feel the weight of that coming into today. I didn't feel the weight of that as I was putting all these things together. Like, I think a lot of people hate their, their teams, right? Or they'll, they'll easily hate their teams because they invest so much in them and they want them to succeed for so long and then they don't. It's disappointment, it's disappointment and eventually it just kind of builds up and you get frustrated more easily, more easily, more easily. I think that's what's happening with the Blue Jays right now, right? Is you got a lot of optimism and it has been disappointing to you time and time again now during the Shapiro Atkins era. And so now it's a like full-blown resentment of people because they've fallen on their face so badly. I, the Leafs are like that but it doesn't feel quite to that degree because people understand how talented this group is. And I think most people, even the hatier of Leafs, the hatiest of Leafs haters, the ones with so much hatred just coursing through their veins, even they believe this team could win. This team could win. They have enough talent that they could win. There's a roadmap for this team to win. That the things that we're talking about where we go, oh, it could be a flawed in the personality ointment. What, you know, like, we'll see. Uh, maybe that does come with maturity. Maybe that does come with Austin Matthews' age 26 season. I think we've seen enough to know that there is something missing from those guys when we get to that point. But maybe it can be developed. I don't know. Maybe it can be something learned. Maybe the bounces can go the right way. Maybe the personalities around them can change. But anyways, how is it different? 
How are we spending this season different? It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And I kind of felt like an ass because I've taken the position of, hey, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And I was just kind of like writing down and jotting down some notes for yesterday. And I was going, hmm, all right, let's start with this. The debate about the Atlantic. Is it wide open? Is it as top heavy? Are the Bruins going to take a massive step back? Are the Lightning going to take a massive step back? I got to tell you something. I've been very anti-Lightning. People have seen me do it. I even bet them to miss the playoffs this this season. Probably at not the best number. Probably should have got a little bit better of a number on that one. Watched them yesterday. They just look like the Lightning. I went, huh, all right. <laughs> a lot of the teams in the division are supposed to be taking a step forward. And none of them are really supposed to be taking a step back. Is the depth of this division going to be better? What's it going to look like for Toronto? Because they haven't won this thing. They haven't been able to avoid that dreaded matchup that everybody hates and everybody bitches and moans about at the beginning of the season. But it does kind of feel like even more so than other seasons, it's there for the taking. What does the Atlantic look like? They're an offensive team that's going to be frustrating at times to watch. Last year, they were this brilliant defensive team that missed a little bit of offensive firepower. This year, it might completely turn on its head. They might, you know, you're going to have guys like Max Domi and Klingberg who are going to make you want to pull your hair out and sometimes... And then other moments, they're probably going to have you looking going, oh, yeah, I really missed the secondary scoring that has supposed to have been here with this team for the last couple of seasons. We've got that Neela under contract here. We've got, by the way, uh, four defensemen who are in contract years for this team. Bit of an understated story, I would say. Going to bring it up with Justin Bourne a little bit. We've got the Matthews bounce back season. There's a guy who won a heart. And then last year, most of us had conversations of, hey, what, what exactly is going on here with Austin Matthews? What, what is happening with this player? Is he the same guy? We've got controversial signings looking to prove their value in a, in a market that is going to nitpick every single thing that they do. We've got a coach who's looking to prove that he's more than just a friendly hire and not just someone who stayed with the organization because they didn't have a better option. You've got a youth line with a short runway, but the potential to actually excite and entice this fan base. You've got a goaltender looking for a new contract, by the way, someone who was written off by his last organization, who some people were in on, some people were out on. And then a younger guy who is looking to prove that he is the best internal development at that position since Felix Podben, an organization that has essentially been cursed with developing their own goaltenders. All of a sudden they have a guy that's looking to maybe step into those shoes. So yeah, there's a few things to talk about with this team. <laughs> I think that we will find stories with this team. I'm excited to watch it. Justin Bourne. Is he there? No. Is, are we, all right. Justin Bourne in a couple of seconds. I, I'm very excited for this season. I, I realized this morning that it's like, I'm all in. I'm, I'm ready. We're I'm back. back. The disease of me being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan is fully back. Anyways, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Justin Bourne. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right. We think we figured out Justin Bourne's technical difficulties. Justin Bourne, real Kipper and Bourne, Leafs regional analyst. Are you there? I am here. Hello. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. nice. You sound good, too. Did you figure out the Merlin? 
Yeah, it's oh. quality quality item we got here. Yeah, I just had to re-download the app. That's all. Oh, that's good. That's... <laughs> I hadn't used it all summer. Yeah, that's just the old classic plug it in and unplug it. I love that move. Yeah. That's the only move I know, by the way. If there's that's no, like whenever that happens, there's no greater fear, right? During the pandemic, doing those broadcasts yeah. than not testing it out because why would you? And then all of a sudden trying to connect before your show, three minutes before your show, and it giving you the error message, and you just messaging Dude. people being like, hey, so I'll be fired today. <laughs> Dude, I was the Marley's video coach when I had no technical ability at all. They were like, mm-hmm. you're the video guy. Yeah. So, like, something would break, and they're like, you're the computer guy. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm a hockey player. <laughs> like, I, I was at the front of the room once with yeah. the Marlies, like, very early in my tenure, nervous, and, like, I couldn't sweating. get the projector to work sweating. Oh, yeah. I mean, legitimately, like, sweating through a shirt. The whole team is gathered yeah. to, like, watch this video, and after, like, 15 minutes of silence, one of the guy goes, have you tried pressing the panic button? Oh. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> it's like, oh. Oh, God. that just would have broken me. I guess, so... Yeah. People talk about public speaking, right? How it's yeah. something like they're more afraid of that than death, right? There's yeah. A lot of people... That means if you're at a funeral, you'd yeah. rather be in yeah. the casket right. than giving the eulogy. Right, That's right. a great Seinfeld line. Yes, it's a really good one. And I've, I, like, I kind of understand it, right? And I can see how it's intimidating. And I've had moments doing stuff where I feel a little nervous. But once I just start, I've never felt that way. I'm just, a, I'm fine with public speaking. I know that will shock some people given I'm doing it right now. Um <laughs> But technology and what you just explained of having to be in front of a group of people and show my tech skills, that <laughs> that gave me that top heebie-jeebies. Like, that jumped oh. above spiders and heights. <laughs> <laughs> the number one in the fear power rankings is, yeah. please don't make me do anything technological uh, ever in front of anybody who knows what they're doing or anyone who's important. Please, for the love yeah. of God, It took please. me, like, two years to yeah. master the tech side no. of being a video coach, and then I was like, I'm going back to media. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> Dude, this is the thing. Joe has no idea how invaluable he is to me because he's so good technologically that yeah. he's safe. He could. He really actually has more of a runway to do bad things than he realizes. Like, I'm, I shouldn't be telling him this, but it's true. I, I'm just, I'm at his mercy more than he's yeah. at mine. Anyway, all right. So, uh, I had been doing this off season where I was a little frustrated with the Leafs. I hadn't talked about them as much this off season as in years past. And maybe it was vacation. Maybe it was just like going down to the one hour show and focusing more on the Blue Jays. But like, I think I had you on once all summer, right? Yeah. And one of my gripes was, hey, what are we going to talk about with this team? And then I was prepping. I was doing all my, you know, preseason note collecting and all of these different storyline discussions that I wanted to have with my guests. And I realized that I'm dumb. Because there's so much. There's so, there's so, so much. And there's actually quite a bit different than last year. So I want to play a game with you today, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. overrated, underrated, or properly rated Leafs narratives, okay? So I'm going to just say a narrative to you. You tell me if it's one of those three things, and then maybe we'll have a short discussion off of it. Um, I'm going to start with this. Um, Overrated, underrated, properly rated. The Nye's Minton Yarn Crock line is the most interesting and has the potential to be a season-long group. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I think that's... I don't know what other people are really saying about it, so I don't know what to call it properly rated, but next, maybe it's underrated. The ne- it's the next thing. It's the next question yeah. that I have for you. 
it's probably underrated because this is a whole new addition. You and I have been soldiers on this seven or eight year core journey of them like trying to get past this. And every year it's like, all right, their third line should feast. Right? Like the top two lines are going to get matched up. They're so deep offensively. Their third line should feast. That you should feast. Watch Kapanen, Andreas Janssen, and whoever else. Watch what they're going to do to third lines. And we're like, again, maybe it's year eight of watch what this third line can do. And it hasn't happened yet. And maybe that's been Alex Kerfoot being on all of them, and maybe it's been other things, but this is undeniably a storyline that if they could just pull a third line out of thin air that they can use. It's very interesting. I don't know that it'll make it all the way through the year, but it's certainly worth giving some runway to. It's incredible to me that there's a line that's going to have Tyler Bertuzzi and then two of the best, what, 12 players on the planet? Matthew's right. top five and Marner somewhere in there, depending on, you know, if you like him, if you don't. And yep. it's, to me, not a conversation amongst most Leaf fans of who you're most interested in seeing to start the year. It's the youth line, right? It's a, it's a fresh injection for the team. I think the runway question is super interesting, but basically the, the second question of this is like overrated, underrated, properly rated. Um, the Fraser Minton story is fun, but really it's an indictment of what this team has down the middle. Yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll say that's a, and maybe an underrated story too, just that... Minton to me does not feel like a guy that the Leafs intend to be on the on the team in playoffs. Mm. Then again, they didn't intend for him to be on the team out of training camp yep. either. So that's not to say he can't do that. He can't play his way onto the team. But like, I just think they're really excited about where he is. Where you know, considering where he came from, he had a great summer. Um, you know, he has he has surprised a lot of people and gotten a lot more runway than expected. But I think this is like a let's take a look. Let's get him back to junior. Give him a great start for the year. I mean, otherwise, they wouldn't have had Willie play in center in training camp if they mm-hmm. had intended this. So I, I don't think they've suddenly they intend him to be here all the way along. They're just going to give him a look. And then, yeah, you can call that an indictment for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, considering last year they tried or very recently they tried to give Ryan O'Reilly a, I think, four times four and a half million dollar contract to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They wanted a third line center. They weren't able to get the guy they wanted. So, yeah, they're a little shorthanded and all of a sudden this becomes a more viable option when you don't have any anyone better. I think it's a little underrated as a storyline just because of that. Like, we got swept up in the excitement of it. And, and I like that, right? Because this is when the season is anew and we have all the hope and you can dream on a guy like Fraser Minton being an impact player for this team. But yeah, you're right. Ultimately, I'm, I, two things can be true. I'm excited to see what this guy can do. I think that he's probably further ahead of schedule, that all of the maturity stuff that people talk about him is, is, is likely real. I, I don't think that it's just purely lip service or a PR campaign for him. But I also think that he had to beat Pontus Holmberg for this position, right? Like he had right. to knock Noah Gregor off of this position, it wasn't exactly the depth of field where he blew someone out of the water where you went, man, that's pretty shocking that he ended up grabbing this spot. They tried William Nylander there. They wanted Ryan O'Reilly back. They were willing to give him that contract despite his age. They went, yeah, we we need to have you down the middle because what else is the option? That's the thing that was, I think, missed a little bit with David Camp, right, is yes, did I really hate the Camp signing? No, because he plays games and you know what he is and I think he's a fine player. But they did have to give him a little bit too much because they just they couldn't lose him for nothing. Like they they couldn't yeah. go into an off season where they said, "Wait, it, it's Holmberg for sure." It, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's Holmberg for sure. 
in your bottom six, potentially as your third line center. So I, I think that part of the clunkiness of this roster is that they just couldn't let him go. So yeah, I, I think that they're the most exciting group coming into the team. I don't know if they have potential to be a season long group, just considering the wear and tear that's going to be put on a 19 year old kid who, when they show him on the bench, I'm like, I'm the world's oldest man. This is how I know. I'm, I know. this has happened. I'm really feeling this now. The you age know, thing. If I may, yeah. I saw Connor Bedard's number was 98. I was yeah. like, maybe he was born in 98. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, nope, no. that would make him 25. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, like, yeah. He's no. born in like 2005. No, yeah. That's, I was going to say, don't, if you're old, if here's, here's what I would say. If you're older than 32, don't look at all at anyone coming into any league's birth years, right? Like, don't yeah. do it. Don't do any of they it. They ran the, like, Crosby was drafted a week after Bedard was born type of thing last night. Yesterday, like, oh, yesterday was my perfect game because it was like it had a bunch of players who were still older than me, and I was enjoying that. I was like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. I mean, how many are you down to in the league? Oh, I think I, uh, Giordano might be older than me, but no, maybe not. I'm he's 40. younger than you. Yeah, because he's 39. Oh, I don't so think you've got nice. anybody anymore. You need a Yager comeback. You need this Yager. Is yeah, this like, is <laughs> Yager's 90. Yeah, I know. You really Pick need someone young. Yeah. Joe Thornton, maybe. Yeah, Thornton. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, Marlowe wants to come back. There's. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I think that. I think that you're. You'd be the oldest wow, one now. It's over. I'm older than everyone in the NHL. Yeah, I know. See, so I'm sorry to do this to you. I was really not trying to ruin your day, but yeah, uh, like I. I had a few guys yesterday, and it was really, really nice. Like I really. <laughs> Corey Perry, I told you I want him to be the new Yager where he plays till he's 42 years old because I just, I don't see him going away anytime soon. All right, uh, let's keep this thing moving. Um, just to kind of close out the, the center conversation, overrated, underrated, properly rated, William Nylander will eventually drive his own line this season. Uh, overrated. I don't think he will. I just like, I think that they will give him, there will be a stretch of hockey this year where William Nylander is a center for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It'll be November to January. Mm. He'll go some sort of cold streak and they'll want to shake it up. They'll give Holmberg a look. He'll go back to the wing and he'll score six times in three or four games and they'll go, what are we doing? And all of a sudden he's a winger again. Like, I just don't think he wants to do that. I, you know, I actually, I wrote an article last Friday, not sure if you saw it, on the Leafs making what looks like a system change to me uh, where they're running now a, a system where the the centers are going to stay lower. The D are going to play higher in the D zone. Like if the puck goes up the wall, looks to me like the D are following that player up the wall with it, man on man a little bit more than they have been in the past, which means your centers have to stay low more, which means Nylander would have to play net front more. Like outside Nylander, I like this change for the Leafs because Matthews does it so well. Kampf does it so well. Tavares at least knows where to be. But Nylander playing center net front for the Leafs is just too big an ask for me. Mm -hmm. See, I think that the uh, the way that this team is going to have its most success is if they can unlock a way for those three guys to be on three separate lines. Uh, like I, I, I just yeah. I, I believe it hasn't happened yet. Has I it? know it hasn't, and I, I just I wonder if somewhere in the year, if they can get a center, if that becomes the priority at the deadline, and they can grab someone even you know seventy five percent of what you'd be hoping for as the third line halfway offensive ish center, if that eventually becomes Nylander's partner, and he's someone where he and Keith are yeah. like or sorry that Keith and the coaching staff continue to do their juggling thing, but that they still are able to throw the three different waves at you. And that includes, yeah, Matthews on his own, 
Tavares back with Marner, which a lot of people have always believed in, and then some iteration of Nylander doing something. I just, I'm with you that I think we wasted our time with the center stuff, and and I, you know, I think we bought into too big of a narrative that he would like want to prove himself in the contract. I think he's like fairly comfortable with what his value is as a player already. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think that of all the guys to put on their own line, so yeah, like Matthews could absolutely, you could put a couple of dogs with him and he's still mm-hmm. going to score 40-some goals this year. I feel like Nylander can do that. Like if you play him with a couple of guys, he doesn't need other people to set him up. He creates so much himself that I really feel like you could put him on a third line with just a couple of lowercase g guys and he would be just fine. So I, I like that idea. It's a good theory. I, the the t- two-line theory for the Leafs has not panned out so far, so hopefully they get to a solid three-line system at some point. Yeah, and even if you look at the – they went, oh, look at these new offensive additions that the team has. Well, it's like, yeah, Bertuzzi and Domi right now are in the top six. Like mm-hmm. – it, what so we're really expecting Nyes to be the elevator on the third line then? Okay, like I, I really like right. Nyes. I think we all like Nyes, but yeah, that's a little bit harder for me to see. Um, okay, so. I'd like to see Nyes with players. By the way, I don't want to see him with Minton and Yarncroft. I'd like to see him have someone to work with. Mm, that's an uh, that's an interesting one too, and it's also going to be fun to see that in this in the season how much they do the tinkering there, like how much room mm-hmm. he has to move up, and how much of this right now with Domi is. Yep, we're starting here. you here with the top guys out of respect for who you are and part of potentially a promise to get him to sign. But that mm-hmm. what is the runway of a player who is, I think, you know, kind of controversial. Not uh, He was a controversial signing. He was one of those guys that everyone's like poor defensively, good offensively, but not great offensively, a known name, a commodity, you know, probably going to be a fan favorite, but someone who's probably going to piss Sheldon Keefe off certain times of the year, fair to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what it looks like in terms of the flipping there at left wing. Um, okay, last Nylander one, though. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Nylander's contract will be a distraction this season. Hmm. I gonna say no. I'm gonna say that he gets it signed in the next month. You know, oh. like I think, I think Tree Living does not like, really doesn't want this to be a spectacle. I think you know, watching him in the preseason, you know, Willie's a special player. You're gonna want to hang on to this guy. The, the, the early preliminary cap talk for next year is that it goes up to 87.7. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have some dollars to spend. I know Matthews' contract goes up a little bit. I think they'll take care of it and then try to figure it out from there. You just can't lose this guy. No No one can make a real trade right now because everyone's banged up against the salary cap themselves. So you're going to get worse if you trade him. So I think they'll find a way to just get a contract. Yeah, I said that to me, The if I was painting the narrative for this entire season, it would be that it's the death of the all-in year. Like that, that's not a thing anymore, right? Part of Mm -hmm. that was, and you know what? Let this be a lesson to Mark Shapiro of just... Brendan Shanahan removed a general manager. He's still at the top, and it just feels like there's a weight off of this team, like mm-hmm. from a fan base standpoint, where they're like, oh, let's yeah. see what the new GM can do, even though it's the guy at the very top still calling a lot of the shots in Brendan Shanahan. <laughs> you go, all right, uh, it just feels different. It doesn't feel like there's as much pressure to get this thing done. And, yeah, now I'm looking at it and saying the time that they could have traded one of the core four guys, and really we're talking about three of the guys, and really we're talking about two of the guys because it was Nylander yeah. and it was Marner all along, it's passed. It's passed them by. They had their opportunity to do that when those guys had multiple years left on the contract, right? Like, if you look back, mm-hmm. realistically, it was after the Montreal series. And people went, well, it's during a pandemic, and it's a flat cap, and what are you going to get back? And it was Jack Eichel for Marner, which would have been a disaster. Like, there's – it's gone by. They, they let that – you're not trading Nylander anymore and getting cents on the dollar back unless it's a massively – 
what, like something happens with him, right? Where he just demands out and they go, oh crap, yeah. we can't deal with this. And I just don't think that's very likely given who he is as a player. So I think that's past. I think they're re-signing Nylander and I think that they're going into this new era of no Tavares in a couple of years or Tavares on a highly reduced number with a bunch more cap space. Um, but that brings me to this one. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Four of the least defensemen in their top six are on the final years of their deals. Hmm. I would say underrated. You know, that's a in, that's an interesting storyline to look at. I, you know, one of the things we talked about before uh, I joined your show today was doing some sort of like predictions for the season, some sort of things you can see coming. And I think this Leafs team has two to three different defensemen by playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just I look at this group right now and I'm like, who is you know, who can't go anywhere? Morgan Riley is not going anywhere. I like his number. He's a great player, great playoff player for them. You know, Jake McCabe, I think, is a really good guy, the type of player that they're looking for, like the number he's at. But, yeah, he's got a contract coming up. Like Brody, you know, Tree Living has passed on Brody in the in the past and, and even talked about trading him years before they moved on from him. And then Lilligren, Giordano is their, like, bottom pair. I don't think that's the type of guys Tree's going to want. So I just think they're going to make changes on the back end over the course of the season not today or tomorrow but they're going to get there at some point yeah and i think another team is going to like the flexibility of being able to bring in a player and go we're not tied to them in the future right yeah like, at the deadline if uh yeah certainly can yeah see that it just it, do, it does give you a little bit of added flexibility i i think it's going to really the, the the underrated one out of these guys because like obviously they signed klingberg to one-year deal I think the underrated one that not enough people have really looked at or at least discussed the contract extension of is what happens, like the path to this team being more successful is if Lilligren steps up into the top four, right? Yes. That's like the best possible outcome for the the defensive pairings. Although it does mean that you end up having Klingberg in your third pair at making four plus million and he cost you a depth guy like Sam Lafferty, who I think that was a bigger deal than... It got made to be, considering mm-hmm. how Sam looked for them in the playoffs last year. But, yeah, the the ideal path forward is for Lilligren to emerge as a top-four guy. But then, yeah, what does that do? Like, I, I really have no idea, as of right now, with the new cap and with a player like Lilligren, if he does have this breakout season, what his number looks like next year. You know, if Lilligren, I'll be honest, like if Lilligren, and this is nothing uh, against the guy, but if he doesn't take a step this year, I'm going to be hard on the team's insistence that he be a part of, of this thing. Because every year they get the playoffs and go, well, he's not the guy. We, we can't use that guy. Put yeah. him in the press box. Like, so if he's not the same guy or if he, if he looks like he did in years past, then you're going to end up there again. So it's time to, to get better at that spot for $1.4 million, I think it is he's making. You're right. I'm not sure what a number would look like, but I can't see how he would deserve a raise off what he's earned so far you know, given the way they use him when the chips are down. That's totally correct. He's, it's like every year, hey, he's the X factor. And then every year in the postseason, they're like, can't play him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, all right. And there was a stretch last season where I thought he was one of the Leafs' best regular season defensemen for like a month, if yeah. not the best. And then, yeah, it just did that, that rapidly went away. Anyway, um, overrated, underrated, properly rated. The personalities brought in will matter more than in years past. Uh,. Say properly rated, right? There's been a ton of talk about it. I think they've been getting a lot of attention. They're also big personalities, which mm-hmm. is nice. You know, I think that's something the Leafs can always use a little bit of. People who are comfortable 
talking and looking people in the eye and doing that whole thing. But yeah, I think it's been talked about a good amount. I don't know that you're going to be able to change the core culture of this team at this point. Those guys have been around, but you know, these are, these are, these are interesting people that they brought in. So I'm curious to see what the effect will be. I'm really excited by these new players. I actually think that like, just watching Bertuzzi in the preseason a little with that line and the ugly, but yet, enjoyable style of the player, something that's going to drive McKee like nuts all year long. Oh, the over-under so on McKee being pissed about Bertuzzi's skates, where would you set that? Like 84 and a half? <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be a daily event. <laughs> yeah, like... But like, you know, what's funny is we already had like a, a, a Bertuzzi talk yeah. on our show, I think on Friday and Kip was already like, hope he looks better in the regular season than preseason or some sort of like passing comment. And mm. Sam was, you know, we're, we're talking about his style and stuff. It's like, he's going to be held to a high standard. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's on the top line. So uh, love a scrappy guy who looks like he's, you know, doesn't care about anything except hockey, but it's going to have to play well. There's a lot of pressure. Here's the thing. I think, you know, it's, it, it's a good point. But I just have a really hard time thinking it's going to miss considering he's got yeah. that really nice backhand that is going to work well in tight around the net where he's going to have to be. He's a relentless forechecker, which is going to remind those guys of when they played with Zach Hyman. Like he's a energizer type that I think stylistically is going to fit with them with some actual finish. And then if, you know, I was looking back and doing the, I, I call it the Jared Sollinger test. I want to change it because I, I feel like I want Jared Sollinger on this podcast someday and I, I can't skirt it. But the Jared Sollinger test to me is like you ask uh, former fan bases what they think of the player, right? Mm -hmm. And people who covered the team, what they thought of that player. And so I was asking people all the way back to Detroit, you know, some people who cover the Red Wings and I was asking some people around Boston, you know, what they thought of Bertuzzi during their time with him. And it was just universally... This guy has great hockey IQ. Mm -hmm. And I went, hmm, the great hockey IQ player who has that dog in him around those two players, I just, yeah. if I'm making a bet, I'm going to bet that it works out. Yeah, I think that's a pretty intelligent way to look at it. And I think the team has done the same thing. You know, even reading uh, Morgan Riley's quote of Bertuzzi that he didn't know how skilled he was mm -hmm. and like not as like an insult. But, you know, you don't always realize that these scrappy guys, you know, he can handle the puck and do nifty things. It has good vision. So, yeah, there's every opportunity for that to work for sure. And not to mention, this is a guy who had, you know, the, the Bruins choked away the best regular season in history last year, by the way. And Bertuzzi was the only guy for them. He had 10 points in that seven game series for Boston. That's really encouraging on a team where, you know, it's not like, wait, do you see, wait till playoffs and see what they do. You know, Bertuzzi can at least make that claim. I love that. That's honestly one of my favorite things is that the Bruins got embarrassed badly and the Leafs took the one guy. The one guy. The, uh, they <laughs> yeah. were really happy about that they went. No, he was great, though. This guy was amazing. Our goaltender is horrific. That whole season of us talking about how we have two Vesna candidates. Uh, yeah, no, that part didn't really work out. Okay, uh, two more. Um, this is an Austin Matthews legacy season. Mm, yeah, you know, I think that's properly rated, I'm going to say, because I, I don't... I don't know that anyone disagrees that he it's, it's an important year for him. You know, he he scored 40 times last year. So did mm -hmm. Willie Nylander. Like, that's not, you know, anywhere in the ballpark of the elites in goal scoring. Connor McDavid scored 64 times, 24 mm -hmm. more goals than Matthews last year. This is a guy that we have been calling 
unequivocally the best goal scorer in the NHL since basically the moment he entered the league. He outperforms Ovechkin, Pasternak, whoever else you think is in the conversation. His numbers are way better. He did not hang with the best goal scorers in the league last year. If this is the start of a tail, then yeah, that would be devastating for a legacy where all of a sudden at 25 or something, he's going the wrong direction. So it's important for him to reestablish himself as one of the game's elite scorers. I think it's completely underrated. And, and that it's going to really dawn on people as they get into the season. Because if it's a lot of what last year was, it's going to take a lot of wind out of the sails for Toronto's Stanley Cup aspirations for this season. And just in terms of what this window uh, where he has this four-year contract means for the team. Because I, I was thinking about this. Who's the better player in the conference now? Like watching Sid last night and doing and the Bedard thing. I went, if they were doing an Eastern conference, who is the best player? Is it not supposed to be Matthews by like a pretty healthy margin? Yeah, it's supposed to be. Sure. Right. Won the Hart Trophy two years ago. Yeah. And the premise here is like the Bruins are supposed to take a step back. The Lightning are supposed to take a step back and they're a team that you finally beat. He's in his age 26 season. He just got a brand new contract. And yeah, he's coming off of a down year where he didn't score in his final five playoff games, despite being one of the biggest and best scorers in the NHL. Like, I kind of feel as though in this quote-unquote more open Atlantic, this more mature Leafs team with him getting Marner back on his line and having Bertuzzi, who's supposed to be kind of this perfect counterpart, that, yeah, we should be back having Matthews in the heart conversations. If not, then it, yeah, I think it's not going to be great. Yeah, you know, it's funny, in talking about this, my first thought, and this is my degenerate gambling mode, is just like, I should bet on Matthews to score tonight and in the first few games. Yeah. Like, I think there's real incentive for him to come out of the gates well. You're playing Montreal and then Minnesota. You know, you're going to have some some looks here. You're on, a, on the best line in hockey or one of them there with McDavid. Uh, you're right. I, I think this guy should be shooting hockey pucks in the net in the first couple of weeks. All right. Then we've just established that we're both betting the, like, whatever he's going to be against Montreal, a team that he's owned, is like minus 280 for Matthews to score a goal tonight. <laughs> What's the score? Yeah. It'll probably be, what, minus 120 or something? No, it'll be, it'll be, I think it'll be for, like, less than that. It, it, like, yeah. it'll be worse. It, it'll be yeah. closer to minus 180, minus 160. My guess, anyway. This yeah. is just me guessing. But, yeah, Matthews to score against... Arguably the worst team in the league, who, by the way, always beats Toronto in these games, and just for us, it's just such a piss-off moment where you go, they're way better than Montreal finds a way to beat them in the in the home opener. Ugh, I, Do you like that it was a Dubas team last night that did that, though? Buddy, it was so great. It was so <laughs> great. I tweeted, he lost to... to it's like he lost to Peter Morazic and Nick Foligno to start a year with a new team. It couldn't. He was doing the Russ Cole time is a flat circle where he went just something. I, I can't escape some of my narratives. And yeah, Carlson's a minus two. It's one game, but I went. Ha, that's kind of fun. That was fun. I'm allowed. I'm allowed to enjoy this a little as a fan. All right. I'm allowed to have a little bit of Schadenfreude. Um, yeah, right. I think the the Matthews thing is big. And yeah, he can't be another. This sounds so stupid to say, but I think we all agree. Like, it sounds stupid, but everyone agrees this is right. He can't be a 40-goal scorer. No. No, a 50, 50 yeah. for the floor if healthy. Yeah. You know, I, if he plays 75 games or something, I, I think you're right. Right. Like, he's he's got to establish himself unquestionably again as the best player in the conference. And as when people go, yeah, right, it's McDavid at the top. 
that people start going, yeah, it's it's also Matthews ahead of Dreisaitl because he's a 200-foot player. Like, he's one of the better defensive guys in the NHL, but he also scores 50 goals, right? So he shouldn't be compared to Dreisaitl. Like, I, I just... if 50 Matthew, goals in the Selkie for Matthews this, this year. That's, Take it. That's what I'm saying is if he's in kind of those places where you go, he's a rocket type of guy, maybe he doesn't win it, but then he's yeah. also a plus-plus defender and he's unquestionably better than Dreisaitl there, then you're back to feeling like Toronto is a Stanley Cup contender. And I think Matthew's legacy is the best player that this franchise has ever had, whatever you want to do with that. It, it, it becomes a little bit yeah. more secure. Last one. Um, the goaltenders are a bigger question mark than originally thought. Yeah. Uh, tough, right? Because last year we talked our, we, we, we talked ourselves into it last year with Samsonov and Wool, mm-hmm. but like... God, the preseason, neither of them looked good at all. And, you know, they're both on these smaller deals. But Samsonov, it's one of those things where it's either like it's going to work and you're going to extend him, or I guess you're handing the keys off to a guy who's played 15 NHL games. So, yeah, you'd sure like one of them. I guess they'll alternate out of the gate, and you'd sure like one of them to really take the reins by November and have an idea who your starter is. This is the only underrated part of it to me is like, it seems really secure on paper because Wall's been around for a while, so he feels like more of a household name in this market. And then you look and it's like he started 13 games <laughs> regular season. Yeah. And that they, the organization, while they waived Martin Jones and that we all thought that was going to be the outcome, they still brought him in, you know? Mm-hmm. They still said, let's make sure there's someone else here. Let's make sure that there is an adult in the room in case things do go poorly. And yeah, it's probably a bit of an injury hedge, whatever. But Wall had a tough preseason, and so did Samsonov. And Samsonov, if you recall a year ago, had an amazing preseason where everyone said, maybe this guy should actually be taking minutes from Matt Murray or starts from Matt Murray because he looks so good to start the year. And... Yeah, this stuff will, it's not going to matter nearly as much in October. Like, this is what we learned from last year with the way the Leafs started on the road against, you know, the lesser lights, the San Jose and Anaheim trip. Like, things will level out. We'll get to January, February and have a a better, more complete picture of the team. But, yeah, in the, the world of goalies are lottery tickets, goalies are running backs. Yeah, I, I think there's a little less for Samsonov to prove. It doesn't feel as comfortable for him this year in terms of, okay, I can just kind of be the guy behind the guy who steals the job from the guy. I have to be the guy who's mentally strong enough to make sure he keeps the job, right? Like heavier is the head that wears the crown. And then a guy behind him who everybody likes, but yeah, hasn't shown it consistently in front of a team that we're all expecting to take a step back defensively. So I just think it's something, yeah. Not trying to be pessimistic with that one, but it's something to keep an eye on. And you know me, I'm yeah. a goalie defender. At least need Samson Overwall to be like the 15th best goalie in the league, and yeah. they'll be just fine. You know, like you need one of your starters to be in the middle of the pack. And then not uh, and that, that come playoff time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't be the 15th anymore. Yeah. Have a hot start. Have a hot streak yeah. at that time of year. But they're not asking, you know, I think it was Luke Fox's recent article where he said, you know, the NHL is a little watered down. I don't know that there's 32 mm. legit number one starters in the NHL anymore. I don't know that there's 32 number one mm. D number one centers. But for goaltenders like Samsonov, can he be Aiden Hill? Yeah, the bar's not that high, but you, you need him to be at least sort of middle of the pack. This is how I felt watching hockey last night. 
is, boy, this league is a little watered down. Like, I shouldn't feel like, man, Chicago could be good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I know, I, and I, I did. <laughs> I had, like, yeah. four thoughts of, hey, what's Chicago? What are they? they had a goaltender, you know? So maybe they'd be yeah. a little different. Anyways, Justin Bourne will be listening today. Again, congrats on the regional broadcast. I actually meant to talk to you more about, you know, you doing TV and goals you had for this year, but uh, your time is up. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, pal. <laughs> Thanks for having me. me. Take care, Later. bud. Justin Bourne. Um, Leafs regional. I'm very excited. Him and Kipper on it. That's going to be good. I, I just, born. so I was actually texting with him yesterday about Bedard because it, a little bit of what I said off the top of the show where, hey, are we going to, when we're trying to sell this guy to American audiences, are they going to be able to really understand the shot? Because it's kind of subtle. Like if you watch hockey all the time, it's not subtle. But if you were just a fan like, if, if I sat you down and made you watch the NBA and you never really watched the NBA before, and I said, let's watch the Giannis Attentacumbo game, you'd go like, holy crap, this guy's pretty crazy. <laughs> he's pretty good. He's just like blocking a bunch of people and he's running the floor. He's one of the fastest guys out here and he's 6'11 and he seems kind of unstoppable in transition and also can score on you in the paint and every once in a while will knock down a three. That's like, that's a pretty easy thing to understand, right? You watch a football game, you watch Patrick Mahomes, pretty easy to understand who Patrick Mahomes is or like who a new quarterback is if they're making plays with their legs. Like you can sit someone down in a college game and say, look at Caleb Williams and they'll figure it out fairly quickly that he's better than the other guy. Hockey's a bit more difficult, right? But ESPN is making this real push. They got the frozen frenzy. That, did I get that right? I think you did, yeah. Yeah. Frozen frenzy. <laughs> They're investing in their own NHL red zone. They've got P.K. Subban everywhere the last couple of days on ESPN. They had Connor Bedard on McAfee show. They had McAfee, by the way, wearing a Pittsburgh Penguins sleeveless. sleeveless. Yeah. They had Jack Eichel on Monday Night, Sunday Night Football. Which one was it? I can't remember. He was on at halftime and I went, whoa. It was Monday Night Football? He was on a halftime at Monday Night Football. I couldn't remember which one it was. But yeah, Jack Eichel was there, and you could just feel, hey, they're invested in this product. They're going to push this product. And like I said with Bedard, they're really hoping that he can become a super marketable player that people, the casuals, are going to tune in to national games and want to watch because it's about making sure that you're pulling from – hockey's fine locally – it's going to do all well locally, just like baseball. But can you draw a national audience? Can you draw some national interest in this rookie? And when he's shooting the puck, sometimes, like he had one yesterday, 11 shot attempts, by the way, 11. But he had one yesterday that was in the second period where he was kind of at like the top of the dots and he snapped one into the net and it was low and it was hard. And I went, oh, that's hot. But it just, you know, the broadcast moves on. And by the way, Ray Ferraro, one of the best in all sports, right? Their intermission, they don't do a job of, and this is not a criticism of them, but like they, they don't go in and they don't start to try to like really showcase to the audience like what is up with the shot, what is happening with the shot, what makes the shot special. Because I think that there are certain analysts that are able to take that and go, here, let me explain this to you. Let me dumb this down for you in a way that you can truly understand it better, right? Like I, I think that uh, we've seen this in the last couple of years with football. 
There's guys like Dan Orlovsky that can go, hey, Dumbo, you don't know anything about football. I know you thought you know something about football because you played Madden your whole life, but I actually was in film rooms forever. And here's some simple concepts that I can teach you today about coverages and how a quarterback works through progressions and blah, 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 blah. You, you watch this and you go, I feel smarter as a football fan. I think Bourne is going to do a great job of that on the least regional. I think that during these intermissions, his history as a film coach is going to bode extremely well for this type of a thing where if you're a casual fan and I I don't know, not, I think more Canadians are going to be fairly aware of how Connor Bedard shoots. I think that we're a more educated hockey populace than in the States in general. Fair to say, but I think that Bourne's going to do a really good job of highlighting kind of the little things, the details that make you go, Oh damn, because he's done that immensely for me throughout my career. Like uh, just a lot, a lot, a lot. Anyways, um, was there anything to you guys out of those narratives that I either missed or that you think is completely underrated or overrated? I mean, I think like the Austin Matthews legacy season talk is like some of the most interesting stuff for me, at least just because yeah. like, I think you're right in terms of like, as the league or as the season kind of goes on, like it's going to dawn just the kind of not the gravity of it, but it's just going to kind of become more apparent as it goes on. You know what I mean? Like he needs to be one of the best. Yeah. I think that's a little underrated to me too. It's like, we always focus with the Leafs because, and this is it. I just did an entire conversation with Bourne where Marner didn't really come up. Yeah. And I, I did one with Myrtle yesterday and it was like, Marner didn't really come up. Yeah. Cause you go, yeah, I know what he is. He's a guy who hasn't hit a hundred points, but we all know is going to eventually do that. Probably does that this year. If he stays healthy, he's, a really, he's a plus, plus, plus player, but it doesn't really become all that interesting until we see something that not, we haven't seen before, but something a little different. We know that Matthews and Marner work. We know that that's going to put up a ton of points and that those two guys with just about anyone are going to produce one of the best lines in the NHL. So what, what, like, what's the conversation that you're really supposed to have about them? And I just don't think that this is going to be like, there was a lot of conversation about Marner last year because Matthews took a step back and it was, Hey, and I was doing things like, Hey, is this Marner's team right yeah, now? Is Marner yeah. the, the focal point in the franchise with Matthews not performing at his tip top? I, I think that the only way that the pecking order works, the only way for this team to complete their ultimate mission, which is to win a Stanley cup is if Austin Matthews is the best player in the conference. Yeah. He's the and ultimate he, needle he mover. Is right? dominant. It's yeah. like, man, he's 26 now. Like there's no more, there's no more. Hey, he's young, like 26 in sports terms is unquestionably That's prime, 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 yeah. prime yeah. time. <laughs> okay. Deion Sanders. Like there is no question as to what he's supposed to be right now. And last year, everyone gave the pass of no, he's hurt. He's not right. There's something wrong. We can't quite put our fingers on it, but there's something wrong. So yeah, I actually think that that's, if we're, if we're doing like the biggest stories of the season, that one was the most underrated in terms of yeah. the amount of press clippings that it got during the, the preseason. And that makes sense. Cause we're doing like roster battles and season yep. previews and award predictions and all this different stuff. But now that we're going to settle into the season, I think you're going to start to see that narrative one way or the other, become a little bit more predominant with Matthews. Anyways. Yeah. And I think like you don't, if you're a player of that caliber, you don't get all that many past seasons, right? Yep. Like last year, bit of a write off. Cool. But if you're an elite, elite guy, mm -hmm. you don't get that many of those seasons. Yeah. You know? All right. Quick break. Let's come back. Let's welcome in my friend, Haley Salvian. All right. My next guest playing hurt. It's a sign of a true friend. 
sign of a warrior, Haley Salvian, senior writer at The Athletic. Hey, how are you? Hey. You all right? <laughs> what a nice intro. You all drugged yeah. up? <laughs> like no, you can no. blame whatever takes you have on drugs. If so, you can just say, no, nah, so high. <laughs> no, blame it on the wisdom teeth. Yeah. No, I'm I'm clean, I swear. Was I correct, day though, five, that day good. four is the, is the real turning point day with wisdom teeth? Yeah. yeah, yesterday was the real, like, wisdom teeth turning point day. Still like, very swollen and bruised, still look like a disaster, but I feel oh. better. Oh, oh, but so I still you... use the whole wisdom teeth excuse to sit inside all day. Yeah, that's nice. Lock it down. Yeah, yeah, it's good for <laughs> like a sedentary people like you and I <laughs> to have these excuses. Like it's almost worth having a surgery to get like not yeah. harassed to do things. You know, just right. hey, I have to just watch sports on the couch all day. I've all. I don't feel like a scumbag watching football from 9.30 a.m. right now because of the football, like mm-hmm. the Europe games, until yeah. the night game ends at 11 o'clock because I had wisdom teeth out. So what else was yeah. I supposed to do? That was me all weekend. Saturday, yeah. college football. Yes. Uh, Sunday, all-day football. And then I don't know what I did Monday, Tuesday. I just laid this around so watching yeah. Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> I like how, laid on my couch yeah. doing something else. It but. wasn't even Lord of the Rings. You were just so high. You were like, oh, look, elves. Your mom was like, this is the Kardashians. <laughs> You're watching HGTV, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is House Hunters. All right. Uh, so a couple topics for today. Number one that I didn't hit on with Bourne is... All right, there's this real belief that the Atlantic is wide open, that the Bruins are going to take a step back, that the Lightning are going to take a step back, that Toronto is kind of hitting their primey prime, but then there's the teams mm-hmm. that are underneath them that are supposed to be sexier, that are supposed to be a little bit more competitive, right? Detroit's supposed to take a step forward. Obviously, it feels like there's some pressure in Ottawa. Buffalo probably wants to take a step forward, like a, a significant one. What's your mm-hmm. overall just like read on the Atlantic in terms of, hey, is this better this season because of the depth of field is it worse because it's not as top heavy how do you feel about yeah the the division yeah I think it's better I think the Atlantic is more interesting this year than it has been in recent years and I think the Atlantic's always um one of the more interesting well I guess last it's not super interesting it's usually pretty locked up um usually I'm looking at the metro but I think the Atlantic's going to be um, really great this year. I know like preseason um, predictions are always kind of foolish, but I think when you look at this division, as you kind of said, you've got the Leo, I think most people would say is the unanimous pick to be at the top of the division. Like we all know that they're an excellent regular season team. They've got the core four and, you know, barring injury or something completely unexpected. You know, I think most people expect Toronto to finish top Atlantic. A lot of people expect Montreal to finish at the bottom. And then you've got a lot of uncertainty in between. So I think when you look at, you know, the teams that usually are competitive over the last few years, um, Florida, Tampa, excuse me, and Boston, like there's some major question marks there, right? Like Tampa Bay Lightning, can they survive without Andre Vasilevsky? I think that they will. I don't think they're going to be world beaters, you know, leading the Atlantic or anything, but I still think Tampa's going to be a playoff team. I think it would take a lot to write them off for me. It's one of those ones where I'm kind of a coward. I called that against Tampa when they missed the playoffs once. Um, The Bruins, I think, still make it despite the massive changes and massive turnover. I think there's still enough there for Boston to 
be competitive. I don't think they're going to be the president's trophy winners anymore. Um, but, you know, they've got Charlie McAvoy and David Pasternak. Um, they've got a really good goalie tandem and Lena Selmark and Jeremy Swayman, obviously Brad Marchand still around. So I think there's enough there in Boston for them to stay at the top. Panthers have, you know, some injuries. Um, Sam Bennett's out as well. No Aaron Ekblad, Brandon Montour. Um, so what's going to go on in Florida? Can they weather that storm? And then, as you mentioned, you know, some young teams with a ton of talent at the top of the lineup. Like, I'm so excited to watch the Ottawa Senators and the Buffalo Sabres this season. I'm really curious about the Detroit Red Wings. I still think the Red Wings are going to finish second last in the division. I don't think they're there yet. I think there are some legitimate questions of, you know, the Iser plan right now is, you know, they're kind of an older team right now. They're not as young and high-skilled and high-flying as some of the other rebuilding teams. If you just look at Buffalo, for example. Um, So I think it's going to be a really interesting division, um, which one of those teams can make the jump. I think it's going to be hard. I think if you're – I think the team most likely to make the playoffs is probably Ottawa. But if they're going to do it, it's probably going to be in the wild card because I don't know if I see Tampa, Boston – or Florida totally whiffing on the playoffs either. So I think the Atlantic's going to be really competitive and one of those teams that we're going to be watching down the stretch again this year. So I agree. And I'm I'm almost a, like I, I felt like that was a shot, the Tampa thing, where you're like, I wouldn't bet against them until they miss. No. And I was like, I did. And so it was like, it was very known that I bet against Tampa. And it was a sizable wager too, which made me feel bad because I thought, I wonder what the odds would be after we just got a look and you went, no, actually a lot of these really good players are still here. And I went, right, right. That's fair. That's fair. You guys have lots of good oh. players. And one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NHL and also the best GM. And yeah, you probably don't want to close this did window. Did you forget about Nikita Kutrov when you made Yeah, that. I just forgot. Literally, I forgot about all their players. I watched it and I went, oh yeah, they have lots of good players. <laughs> I just thought Vasilevsky's hurt and they're old and Stamkos is all pissy at media day and maybe this thing falls apart. And then I watched it and I went, damn it. And and I think that this is a, a, like a failing, I don't want to say failing, but I think this is just part of sports coverage in general and either you're close to it or far away from it is you want a little bit of turnover, right? You want something new. You don't want to see the same old thing. And I think one of my fears for the Atlantic is that Ottawa's fine, but they're really scrapping for a wild card spot with the Sabres, right? That both of these teams just aren't ready to look like a contender. And that Boston looks like a bit of a lesser version of themselves and Tampa looks like a lesser version of themselves. And that Toronto ends up kind of winning this division. I don't want to say by default, but yeah, like that it's, it's, it doesn't feel like there's a real battle at the top. I love that this division has depth to it out of the gate, or at least that it feels this way. Because to me anyways, it's like, if Toronto can win and establish that they're better than a lot of these teams and actually win the conference, or sorry, win the division, I don't, maybe yeah. they win the conference, I think that'd be like a pretty big step for them going into the postseason to not have to face yeah. one of these like hardened playoff teams. Like if they got an Ottawa in the first round or a Buffalo in the first round, how great that would be for just like regional rivalries, but also Toronto's chances of moving forward. Like I think that the Atlantic is, and I'm biased, but far and away the most compelling division in all of hockey. Like I don't even think that there's a close second, to be honest. Yeah, and I think when you talk about divisions being the same, you want a little bit of change up your year. I feel like the Metro is going to be back same as it was last year with Carolina, the Devils, and the Rangers all just like get out yeah. on the final day of the season to see who finishes one, two, three. Uh, I think the Metro is going to be really similar. And the only deviation point will probably be like the Penguins and the Islanders. 
mm. fighting for the last wild card spot, but I guess they did that last year as well. So mm-hmm. I think the Metro is going to be really similar. And I think it's a good point. I think if Toronto can get to a place where they're not, I know they kind of slayed the dragon. They beat Tampa in the first round, but if they can go into a postseason where it's going to be a little bit different and they don't have to answer all the questions of Tampa Bay again, or, Oh, can they beat Vasilevsky again? Like it's going to be, the same story, but a little bit different. It's like, well, they did it last time. Can they do it twice? Mm-hmm. Is Tampa really going to lose twice? So I think, yeah, if the Leafs can put themselves in a position in the regular season to not have to do that all over again. I certainly enjoy it. I, <laughs> Somebody who engages in this media and these narratives. Yeah. yeah I think that'd be really great for me personally. Yeah. I, I, I really want one of Boston or Tampa to be a disaster. And I feel like I was, <laughs> I was putting my bet down that it was going to be Tampa. Like one of these two teams was not going to yeah. be great, but no nah, sports. Usually the continuity is before, like not all these guys are just going to age out immediately. I just think Boston's going to be too good defensively. And that the yeah. goaltenders are going to be so solid throughout the regular yeah. season, having that one-two punch that mm-hmm. I, I don't see the, f- I, I just don't see how there's going to be a massive fall off. Like maybe no. if there's a big McAvoy injury. The funny one is that I feel like Florida, despite being the Stanley cup playoff, like finals last year is the team that we still just ignore. They made it all this way. Yeah. They had Kachuk and everyone's like, yeah, will Boston take a step back. Will Tampa take a step back. <laughs> Who's going to be the sexy team for the vision. Will it be Ottawa? Will it be Buffalo? And then Florida is just completely there. I'm like, all right, they're in this division. Like that's it. Oh, we lose Haley. Uh, she's back online. All right. Just bad phone. Oh. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. We got you again. I think we just had a little bit of a bad phone connection with you anyways. I just, yeah, I I think Florida is going to be fine in terms of the, the injuries like Bennett, you mentioned that one. I think he's what going to miss a couple of games. Um, Yeah. The blue line questions be tough for them, but I just think that they're going to have enough to score. And yeah, if I think I had to do like predictions of who's going to come out of the Atlantic, I, I think that the most reasonable thought is that it's going to be the same four teams. And I hate that. Yeah, but I think it's going to come in a different way, which makes it a little bit different, right? I think, um, you know, last year the Sabres only missed by a point, I think, because they had a really good end. I think the Sens will be in it later. I think the Red Wings will try to make things interesting. I think even the Montreal Canadiens credit, and I know the two Toronto's playing in, in the... I will not. Um, I think they're you know, the most fun, bad team to watch, too. I think even the four teams are probably the ones that come out. Um, I think you'll have some Atlantic teams in a real fight for a wild card spot, and I think the game is just going to be fun. I think the teams are going to be good enough, and, yeah, Montreal is going to be the worst team in that division, but even they're still going to be fun to watch. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy watching Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I thought they were the best bad team last year before mm-hmm. those guys started getting hurt. So I think the Atlantic will be fun. I bet There's them. no problem. I, I don't like change, so this yeah. is fine. <laughs> That's, uh, hold on. Well, <laughs> we're going to try to reconnect with your phone for a second here uh, just to get a little bit of a better connection. So producers take the, the, the wheel here. All right. I'm really hoping that there's a little bit of change. And I, I hate to admit this, but... So there's this like, hey, does uh, did the Leafs and Lightning have a rivalry? Kind of, but the Lightning are winners and Toronto fell in their face. Like... The Leafs and Panthers from a year ago, it was an embarrassment for Toronto, but there's no real juice to that because no one cares about the Panthers to the point where, again, like we're doing this thing where I I, kind of think a lot of us are forgetting about Florida and the discussion around the Atlantic. It's way better. 
for the NHL. And I think it's way better for Leaf fans, given the state of where the Montreal Canadiens are at right now. It's like if one of Ottawa or Buffalo can take a real step forward and be good, like actually good, that's probably the best case scenario for entertainment this season. Like what one of the best stories that we could have is one of those two teams being legit. Like they've both given Toronto problems in the past, but I really want it. Like it wouldn't it be so fun this year if the Leafs every single night in the Atlantic, other than Montreal, hopefully they just beat the brakes off of them and they just embarrass <laughs> them. And Montreal is just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> we're the worst team in hockey, but we don't get the first overall pick and we get another guy who's tall, but maybe sucks. That would be great. I would really be a fan of that. That would be chef's kiss. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Let them be that team. But it would be really, really fun if all of those teams are really fighting for something this year. Like if there's a real battle at the top of the Atlantic for who's going to win this division. And there's just some juice night in, yes, night out. Yeah. And there's just teams that really care about making the playoffs and taking that step. And that's how I at least feel about, to me, Detroit is a little bit more out of it because there's the, I, I, feel, I get the feeling that Eiserman is going to continue to do this whole, I sign vets. We try to find out who's legit who we're going to pay, and then come trade deadline, I'm going to do the Belichick and flip guys for picks, more picks, more prospects, and build this thing until two or three years from now, we look at Detroit and say, holy crap, look at all the things they have. so many guys. Yeah, and then they sign a free agent or something. You know what I mean? They're going to be, or make a huge trade. They get into like the, they're going to be the NBA trade team at some point where they accumulate a bunch of assets and then they decide to dish a bunch out for a star player. Like they... That that feels like the the true eyes are playing to me. I, I don't buy the whole like we're getting Hall and Comfer and we're gonna be around it. It's like nah, I don't, I don't think that's it. I don't think this is the real thing. I think this is a uh, this is a smokescreen. This is a false flag operation <laughs> that he's running here. I don't trust it. Like everyone's like, what an idiot signing these guys. I'm like, mm, I don't think this is the main one. Anyway, I'm really hoping that we have a competitive Atlantic. Anyways, Haley Salvian joins us again. I'm gonna move off of this thing. I'm gonna move off of the Atlantic into other things. Okay, so um, I asked you to put together your center ice team. As in the team mm-hmm. that you can't wait to watch this season, like the number one team where if you're flipping through the channels or you're looking at the schedule, right? Like we all do the what games are on tonight. Yeah. Who will be the team that you circle most likely on any given night? And I sa- I did say there's a caveat here. You can't pick Edmonton because everybody would pick Edmonton, I think. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I would go with the New Jersey Devils, even mm. without the caveat, respectfully, Ooh. to the Edmonton Oilers fans. Time zone matters. Um, No, no. I mean, I I lived on Mountain Time for a couple years. I stay up late. It's fine. Um, But it would be the Devils for me. I think they just play a really fun style of game. Like, I think they play a little bit different. There's a little bit more high octane, uh, a ton of offense. They're really fast. And I think we see so many teams now Mm. going for... Um, the mix of offense with really good defensive structure and they're really good in the neutral zone and they have good like ozone possession time and expected gold metrics whereas the devils are just like fast and high flying and they have a ton of skill at the top of the lineup on the blue line I think Jack Hughes is one of the most fun players to watch in the league right now Uh, so if New Jersey's on I'm probably watching them you know I have the center ice packages so I'm just going to be flipping that game on i think the devil uh, the devils are the big one and then i would say that the dallas stars are up there too Mm. um i was a big dallas stars fan in the playoffs last year i was Mm. devastated when they lost against vegas i was really sad 
sad day for me personally. Yeah. But they have what an was harder wisdom teeth line. or the <laughs> losing the Dallas Stars in the playoffs for you? The, probably the wisdom teeth. Yeah. Uh, that would that was more difficult for me. But I think the Stars are another fun offensive team. They've got a really great, like the stars can be exciting in different ways. Like they can just have an unbelievable game from Jake Ottinger where he's the star of the show, as we saw in the playoffs a couple of years ago against the flames, like one of the best individual goalie performances I've ever seen. Uh, so I think Ottinger is a stud. I think Jason Robertson is um, an incredible goal scorer. Joe Pavelski, like everyone loves watching <laughs> Joe Pavelski, the old guy. Um, still playing elite, like, top-line minutes. Um, and their top nine just got even better, adding Matt Duchesne. They've got some good young talent, Wyatt Johnston. Um, Thomas Harley's a fun young player to watch in the blue line. Miro Haskinen's one of the best players in the league as well. So I think Dallas is, I'd say the Devils and the Stars are the two big ones for me. The number one for me is unquestionably the Buffalo Sabres. Like, I, I can't. Okay. Yeah. Big Cage Thompson guy. Yeah, I just I like their entire team. Like I, I I just I I think my problem here is that when I look at the Sabers, I see them like each one of their guys is probably five percent or better than he actually is. Like, right. does that make sense? So like I'm a little no. bit more no. interested. I'm a little <laughs> I know what you're bit, talking about. Yeah, it's like I'm a little <laughs> more interested in their players because I just I I view them as kind of the. The highest, I think the case for the Devils is kind of in the similar mold of, I think the Devils could be really special. Like, mm-hmm. we could end up watching the season and Hughes establishes himself as like, okay, no, this guy's actually unquestionably one of the best five forwards in the NHL, right? Like, this this could be that season. That could be this year. And just like, it's unquestionable. And he's got his brother there. Right. That's kind of a fun thing. They've got yeah. a deep team. They're fast. They're enjoyable. I think that there's a little part of my brain as a 90s baby that blocks me from liking the Devils because I just see the sweaters and it brings okay. trauma, you know, of watching I'm hockey upset, when it was at yeah. its worst. So sure. it's just like getting past the uniforms is hard for me. Like I actually would like them <laughs> to completely rebrand them, not to be red and black. Anymore. You like the Jersey Jersey. Yeah. Like yeah, get, even that, even that traumatic, just get, do a complete <laughs> teardown, switch it up, okay. rename the team. Actually, if they rename the team to like, yeah, the New Jersey wolves instead. And I, they went with a completely different color palette. I think I'd be with you and going, you know what? This is one weird. of your weirdest rants. I no, think it's not. No, that's not. There's, but there's, too much red and black in okay. there's too much red in hockey anyway like it just it's okay. it's, it's got to go the red black color palette i'm not into it um it's yeah it's tra- it's traumatizing i had the red wings my entire childhood and the and the devils like mm-hmm. I, i'm good i'm good on red like no more red and i hate the halves it's it makes sense oh yes, okay this makes sense to me all right this is not a weird okay. rant so you like the sabers. I, <laughs> I like blue. I like blue and I like yellow. It's comforting to my eyes. and I'm ready for that. That's basically the main reason is the sweaters. No, for real. Yeah. I, I like the sabers. And I actually really like Ottawa too. Those two teams, like to me, seeing if one of those two teams can emerge and step up is going to be incredible or is going to be really entertaining for me. But the reason mm-hmm. why Buffalo is when I look at all those groups that are sort of in the middle, I think Ottawa actually has the best chance of being solid right? Where we yeah, look at great. them and go, they're going to make the playoffs. But I think Buffalo has the highest ceiling of, oh, these guys weren't even in the playoffs this year. And this year they're this version of the devils were last season. Yeah. I think the Sabres are a really interesting long-term play because of those young players that you mentioned. Like I've mm-hmm. been a big 
Rasmus Dahlin person. Like I took him in fantasy hockey and a bunch of different like work related things. And I put on weight. I love that. I love that. I put on weight to be meaner was, is like his move of the off season. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a really exciting player. He's obviously already one of the top defenders, I think in the league. And I think he's one of those players as, as you're saying, like there's, 5% 5% or more that he can still improve. And Tage Thompson, an exciting young prospect. And they've got a ton of of solid young players. I think Devin Levi is, is fun. And I just think I like Don Granado too. Like I, I know we're not supposed to really be fans of teams anymore. So you kind of end up rooting for people. And I find myself rooting for Don Granado to find success. And because I've always enjoyed talking to him. I think he's a great coach. I think he's got a track record of developing players and finding success as a head coach. So I think it's really easy to cheer for the Sabres. And obviously I like watching the Senators a lot. I think that team's going to be good this year. I think people almost like underrated how solid Claude Giroux was with the Sens last year. Um, and he was moving around with his line mates a lot. And the Alex DeBrinket thing didn't really work. So I think mm-hmm. the Sens are going to be different this year. Tim Stutzla is a superstar. Brady Kachuk is unbelievable it's crazy like if he can just finish like if he can score like five percent more of the five percent that he you know has on goal he's gonna score like 50 he scored 35 goals last year and his mm-hmm. goal scored above expected rate is like terrible like he generates so much offense but he can't finish and he still scored 35 so i think there's a ton to be excited about with the Sens and the Sabres. And I think there are two reasons why the division's going to be fun to watch this season. A lot of people in Calgary feeling betrayed by you with your Dallas Stars answer, by the way. Just, just why? Oh, I feel like they're like, give Calgary our love. Did we, they want me to say I'm going to watch yeah. the Flames? I don't know. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think that they're like, they, they want you to believe that their team has a shot, that their team... Um, no, 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 I, will, I am very, I am cautiously optimistic Mm-hmm. about Calgary this season. I think they made some positive changes. I think Huberto is going to be a different player this season. Like, There's no way that everyone's as bad as they were last year again mm-hmm. is how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but they're still, they're probably, I think they're a playoff team, but they're probably still a mushy middle playoff team. Okay, last which one. Which is where fans want them to be. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where they're going to be. And that's on, that on, to me, that's a lot of the Western Conference, unfortunately. Which is yeah. why I don't, yeah. I think I'll watch a lot of the Oilers. I think I'll watch a lot of Bedard. Um, I'll clearly check in on some Canadian games because it'll be Hockey Night in Canada and I'll have that on always, just like a little bit more, right? Saturday nights mm-hmm. I'm in where I'm just like, yep, I'm going to fire this on. But ultimately, yeah, when I was going through my league pass teams, I didn't have a lot of, ooh, can't wait to watch that group. And even yesterday watching the Lightning in Nashville, I went like, oh, it's fun, Ryan O'Reilly's here. I was like, I don't need to watch yeah. the Predators again for three months. Vegas. Uh, yeah, Vegas though is like, it's there. It's Carolina They're West. Too good. It's like, uh. but it's just it's Carolina West where I'm like, I get it. You're good and you're deep and you're gonna win a bunch of games and during the playoffs and all the nerds are gonna talk about you all year long and I just yeah, I don't need it. I'm good. I'll see you in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, like I'll I'll see Vegas in the playoffs. I'm not staying up for 10:30 Vegas games and yeah, uh, I don't care. I just I'm yeah, not. that game that game didn't start till after 11 last night. Yeah. Very no. cranky this morning. No, see that's oh, see you watched the entire thing. 
No. Okay. No. I was going to say, oh my gosh. You're just like, you like hockey so much more I'm than I do. I'm not that committed to the bit. Oh my God. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not going to happen for me. Okay. Last one. Um, what's your biggest Leafs question this year? Ooh, like, like what's the biggest question mark that I have about the roster? Yeah. Like what, what are you most curious to mm. see about this team this year? It doesn't even have to be like a roster question in terms of like a failing. It could be anything like, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Austin Matthews, prime season, him being 26 bounce back year, like anything, just your thing that most interests you about the Leafs this year. I think it's the blue line for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some legitimate questions. I know Bradtree living has said that he thinks the group is underrated. And I think the Leafs have, kind of sneaky been a really good defensive team over the last two years like i they're such a good offensive team i think how good defensively they've been and their defensive structures almost flown under the radar the last few seasons like they've thread that needle of being an exciting offensive team that also has solid defensive structure um, behind that offensive group and i wonder if that's going to hold up this year um i have you know, I think Mark Giordano, like I'm a huge fan of him as a person, as a player, just turned 40. I think there's Uh-oh. a question mark there. Um, like, what is Timothy Lilligren going to do this season? Is this the year for the Lilligren breakout season where he can prove he's not just a sheltered third pair defender, but he's a legitimate top 4D? I think that's a really important thing to watch for the Leafs this season. Like, what is John Klingberg going to be in Toronto? Um, I think. A whipping boy. The Leafs the last couple seasons, they've really only had in terms of offense from the blue line, it's been Morgan Riley. And yeah, we'll pair him with TJ Brody and they're going to be great. And he's the only guy who can do anything offensively on the blue line. He's the only guy that can walk the blue line, et cetera. So I understand bringing in Klingberg to give another offensive option to do that. Maybe on the second pair, have two top four options who can create offensively. But Klingberg was really bad last season mm-hmm. um, in Anaheim and Minnesota. And it wasn't just because the Ducks were bad. So I'm curious about that reclamation project. And, you know, he was hurt for um, a chunk of the preseason. So he didn't get a ton of reps with Jake, Jake McCabe. Um, so didn't get a ton of reps with the power play group. So I think mm-hmm. the defense, that decor is interesting to me. I think they have depth, um, but they don't have like the guy that you can say like, this is our like elite number one defender. Like they don't have a Charlie McAvoy or an Adam Fox or Erasmus Dahlin. Um, And I think that's what makes the Leafs blue line. So interesting is it's good. Like it's top 10 in the league, I'd say, but it's not great. It's good enough. Mm, I like this answer. And it's probably the part of the team I didn't talk enough about today. (laughs) Um, Darlene, and now we're out of time. See ya. Well, well, here's the thing. Darlene, you can go. I can rant on this for <laughs> okay. at least 15 no, go minutes. <laughs> Darlene is actually normally the kind of signing that I love in sports where it's a, someone coming off a down year with pedigree and you can get them on a one-year prove-it contract. Except for the problem with Darlene is he's not been bad for one year. He's been bad for two. He was dash 28 in with your beloved stars the year before. You know? He's just... Or sorry, Klingberg? I keep seeing Darlene. Yeah, I don't know why I had Darlene on my mind. Klingberg. Oh, no, he hasn't been good since 2019. Bad, yes. Bad for a while now. And I I would say that normally before the season starts, I actually didn't do a bit that I always do. So this opens myself up for who will be the whipping boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do this every year. It's like, who will be the Leafs whipping boy? Because there's a vacuum now. Justin Hall is gone, right? People don't know what to do with themselves. They're like, wait, where's our beloved, this is all his fault guy? You know, yeah. Matt Murray's gone. People really didn't like Matt Murray here for pretty long stretches because it turned out to be exactly kind of what people thought it was going to end up looking. Anyway, my point here, uh, Engvall, gone. Another whipping boy. 
Nerds, <laughs> that was yours specifically, I think. No, that was a lot of us. That was nerds versus people who <laughs> like watching hockey and guys who don't just turn back constantly. I was not the only Engvall hater. <laughs> so okay. it was like all the whipping boys are gone. There's a vacuum here. And who will step in and who will do this? Here comes giant Klingberg, you know, huge, stands out. And it's like Jumbo Barry, you know, it, that's what he's going to be. Jumbo Barry and making enough money where people are going to grumble and say they gave him what kind of money. He's also the new GM's guy. So I think it br- opens him up like all the underlying, you know, Dubasites that are still going to be in the comments, who are still going to be tweeting up a storm, who are kind of hoping for the, the demise of Trey Living, but the the Dubas thing to still work out with the core four, right? Like Dubas gets yeah. the credit. Uh, Trey Living succeeded in spite of his own bad signings. I kind of just look at uh, Klingberg and say, Klingberg, not, AKA not Darlene and say, this guy, this guy's going to be the whipping boy this year. Like mark it down in pen. He's the number one, like <laughs> in your Leafs group chat, he's, he's going to be the the top name. Yeah, his defensive numbers over the last few years have been really bad, and particularly last season were terrible. Like he's he's a pure puck mover, so if his gig is going to be just you know get the puck up to Austin Matthews into the offensive zone and don't make a mistake, then I'm sure he'll be fine. Maybe mm. we'll see. He's a big reclamation project, and it's interesting that he's the only one of those big. Well, I guess uh, Ryan Reeves is the only one. Excuse me, I almost <laughs> made but a the, mistake. But the thing it's is, yeah. um, but I think it's funny that like, Ryan Reeves is like the only one of the big free agent signings that got term. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As a positive, I'm really excited to see Tyler Bertuzzi on that top line. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It, it's it, great. He's gonna be loved here. It's it's, yeah. it's like if you were doing the favorites for Leaf Whipping Boy, I think that Klingberg would be like honestly, you couldn't even bet it because it would be like minus ten thousand. It would just be such a strong number that everyone would look at it and say, no, you have to, it's one of those things like you can't bet McDavid for the heart, right? It's just, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to sit all season long and bet minus 250 for Connor McDavid? No, you got to find someone else. So you go through and you're like, well, you know, Jack Hughes plus 1,000. It'd be the same thing with the Leafs where you'd go, huh, all right, you know, it's trying to go through the roster and maybe Lilligren's bad or maybe TJ Brody and one of these guys doesn't work out. So let's put a number on that. When it comes to who's going to be the number one Leafs fan favorite, it's unquestionably going to be Tyler Bertuzzi. Like he is going to be uh-huh. the polar opposite of this where people all year long, like I, I did the whole... Hey, what, how big of a story is the Nylander contract extension going to be? I don't think that big because they're going to talk during the season to a degree, or at least they're open to an extension this yeah. year. I don't think Tree Living lets him walk for nothing. But to me, the more interesting one is actually going to be the more underrated, hey, what's going to happen with the future of player X is going to be, is does Bertuzzi make himself someone that people view as in, yeah, like valuable to this team? Like they don't want to let yeah. him walk as a time in 2.0. Well, he's probably setting himself up to get a huge raise either in Toronto or somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you take the one-year deal on the Leafs because you know you're going to get all the media attention and you're also going to play on a top line with Austin Matthews. So you're going to be playing unbelievable. You're going to be padding your stats, and I say that in a good way, and everyone's going to be talking about it because you're you're in, like, the mecca of hockey. So Mm -hmm. that's a big, massive extension play for Tyler Bertuzzi. He's probably not going to be able like I don't think the Leafs are going to afford him if he has the kind of year we think he's going to have because he was a great player in Detroit when he was you know he didn't have the kind of talent around him right like this is a 30 goal 60 point guy on the Red Wings what was it 30 goals and 62 points in 68 games two years ago um imagine that player next to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty great
think he's doing do very, very well. Haley, this is pretty great. Thanks for making time today. Thanks. Bye. Back to bed. <laughs> Haley Salvian, senior writer at The Athletic. Yeah. I don't, like, I actually think that the whipping boy, I should have done this. I'm doing this off the top of my head. All right. The whipping boy numbers in terms of who is most likely to be the Maple Leafs whipping boy this season. Number one, because let's be honest, let's be, let's be truthful to who we are, Toronto Maple Leafs fans. You need a whipping boy. Like you need to, this is a real, and you know what? It's a sign of respect. It's not, people go, oh, the fans are so hard. It's like, no, sign of respect is being the kind of sports market where there has to be the player that you hate. Like this isn't all supposed to be sunshines and rainbows. I know that's the way that we're, we, we see a lot of the coverage now, right? Is positive, positive. We see the relentless need for people on social media to just stay positive, positive. And there's a lot of positive things about this team. But if you were doing Leafs whipping boy power rankings for who is most likely to take the most amount of ire from the fan base this year, whenever, let's put it this way. Like when Tyler Bertuzzi, when he makes a mistake this year, people aren't going to be like pointing it out. En masse. They're not going to be rushing to social media to take uh, their shot at Bertuzzi. When Klingberg makes a mistake, people are going to be rushing to Twitter <laughs> to fire off a, wow, nice play by Klingberg, you know, blow by. It's going to be that. It's going to be a lot of that. So I think he's at the very top of the pile, pretty much unquestionably. I would say number two is TJ Brody. TJ Brody, really? Yeah. Number two? Yeah. Not Lilgren by chance. No. No. I, I think here's the reason why. Lilgren's going to be a third pairing. And maybe he, like, the path for him is he either steps up and people really like him because they're going, man, he should be playing more minutes. He's going to be in sheltered role. The nerds are still going to love him. And he just looks the part. He looks stronger. He looks faster. He's also a guy that's entering his, his prime. He's 24. I, I just think that this sets up well narratively for Timothy Lilligren. If I have to do, you got to remember with the whipping boy, TJ Brody left a sour taste in everybody's mouth in the postseason. He was bad. He was quite bad. And like McCabe is one of the only guys on the team that's nasty and has an edge. So when he makes mistakes, it's going to be after he did things like hit people at the blue line, which he loves to do, right? He's going to hit someone hard this year where you go, that was fun. I don't, th plus you look at his cap number. This is a fan base that loves when someone doesn't make a ton of money. And that's him. Down to, like, he's perfect for this. So a little bit of nastiness, good cap number, hard to envision people really, like, hating his guts. I think he's a little, and, and people don't have that expectation of him to be like, he's the number one. They tried it out last year, and they go, no, he's a solid second pairing guy. I hope it works out. And he's also sheltered being next to Klingberg. If that pairing doesn't work out, he's not going to take the slings and arrows right away. So that's why I'm saying he's not going to be number two. Brody, one, left a sour taste in people's mouth in the postseason last year. Looked like he took a step back. Two, get a little bit older, has to play with Morgan Riley. Got a, people love Morgan Riley right now. Had a great playoffs, <laughs> basically the opposite. He has some bad moments or that, that pairing has some bad moments and people are going to go, hey, we wait till playoffs with Morgan Riley because we criticized him a lot last year and he was great in the playoffs. So we're going to refrain from doing this in the regular season. We're going to put it towards Brody. Hey, Brody's got to go. Brody's gotten old. Brody, like that's just telling you, that's the way that that thing could possibly go from the forward group. It's pretty easy.
I hate it's it's very strange saying this, but like Tavares is one of them because it's like if he if he slows down, if he goes lower than a point a game, just he he generally people like to take shots at Tavares. I meant to bring it up with him yesterday, but we we're sort of running out of time, and it was a bit of a weird uh, way to go, a weird direction to go with him. But yeah, just you know, it's I don't think that he gets the respect he deserves from the fan base at times. And he had a big moment for them in the postseason last year, and it kind of felt like it went a little, you know, a little. I know today's been a lot of underrated talk, but I thought that one was a little underappreciated. There's always discussion around him going out to the wing and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you're looking at the season and saying, could you imagine they tried to do that now? Like, what would, what would you try to do? What, what, what would this team be without the John Tavares down the middle? But then two, if we're talking about like people who actually get criticized a ton, Yarn Croc. I was just about to say Yarn Yarn Croc missing the net by 10 feet <laughs> when he gets wide open slot chances and just the number and the age and yeah. Like uh, the, the the fact that he might end up playing up the lineup if they try to shuffle things, yeah. I think it's him. Anyway, That's a good one. Those are your whipping boy rankings going into the 2023 season. I Subject to change. Really does not help Klingberg is that he wears Justin Hull's number as well. That yeah, it's just no. I'm telling <laughs> you, he's he is. He looks like he was made in the whipping boy factory. He's the odds-on favorite. Yeah, he's like minus two fifty. No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's if you could get minus two fifty him whipping boy, you would place you would put the house down. Like it was just he is so ready, so ready to have people pissed at him. He's just a like legitimately a massive target. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be so fun. Oh, by the way, Leafs talk back tonight. All right, Jobo now producing the show. Sam McKee and I back on Leafs talk. So when the game is done, yeah, I'm an idiot. Not promoting my own stuff using my other platform. Leafs talk tonight, immediately after the game, Sportsnet Plus, which looking good this year. Got to say Sportsnet Plus team. Way to go. Way to go, Sportsnet Plus team. Uh, it's going to be up on YouTube. It's going to be uh, all everywhere podcasts are. So have those things ready. at the Get them at the ready. So you can watch Sammy and I and Joe. Will Joe screw it up is the big question. No, I believe Joe's no. going to nail this. Come on, Joe. <sighs> Joe's for a show. Joe. Joe's Boys, for... I'm ready. Yeah, Joe's yeah, yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, I Who's gotta... the whipping boy favorite of Leafs Talk? Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> no question. But we won't need it, Joe, because yeah. you're going to crush it. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. The thing is, too, is all the things Joe does great are completely in the shadows and up to me if I bring them to life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, quick break. Let's come back. Let's close this out with some playoff baseball talk on what we missed. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, let's close this sucker out and then let's go watch Toronto Maple Leafs hockey tonight. I, quickly, before we do what we missed, I just have to say, it was good. We're not, we, we did kind of miss it. Is this has been, we've been a little void on playoff baseball talk last couple of days, mm -hmm. fairly so. Had the captain of the Leafs on, had to talk a lot about the number one team in the city and their, yeah, their season opener. Mm -hmm. I mean that from like a historical standpoint. All right. I don't want to hear from people like the Raptors are now the team. It's like, no, it's like the television <laughs> it's radio. The Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs. Not the, the, the Blue Jays country. Well, yes, the Leafs. Um, what about the Argos? Well, I mean, soon. There you go. Open well, our I wagon. Wait. Swag I'm Kelly. I'm so happy. November. It's right there. It's it's right there. East finals. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Mackie will be in the house. I'll be in the house. You won't be there for the East final? 
way too cold, JD. I don't. Oh my god, I hate that. So many times. I was gonna bundle you up and I'm gonna bring you on. I put you in a little backpack. I'm gonna bring you. I'm gonna bundle you up. I'm gonna give you a big jacket. The East final was really cold last year. Yeah, it was. But you gotta come, Mackie. Football weather. You got season tickets. So what are you gonna do? Sell them? Yup. <laughs> no hesitation. This makes yep. me so angry. I love it. This it's all about the my... bottom line. No, Austin. because Mackie. No, because Mackie's just like he loves the Argos. He's just gonna watch the game from his couch. Yeah, I love being warm. warm. There we go. No, that's great. <laughs> you can warm up, man. I'll bring you the. I've got actually some. I've already got some of those pads you break up. Yeah, and the, put in your mitts. the the hand warmers. Yeah, I've got yeah, some yeah, of those, yeah. get some boots, mm-hmm. get you a jacket. It's going to be great. We're going to be there. I'm going to make you go. I'm going to make you go. I'm going to show up at your house. I'm going to make you go. I'm going to bundle you Banging up. on You're the door. My, yeah, a little bundle boy. Awesome, Mackie. <laughs> I'm going to have you ready to go to the East Final. you got to support Swag. you got to watch the wagon of the Argos. you got to be there. you got to be in the house. Mm-hmm. Might even try to get you to go to Hamilton for the Grey Cup. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice. Oh, although, Green day, right? Yeah. So, I mean. Big moves. Green come day. On. I know. Although, hey. That's a that's if the Argos win the Grey Cup in Hamilton, it could be a fight night. I don't. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm not encouraging any of this. I'm just saying. Not. Everybody, look out. Head on a swivel. You know, like maybe do the celebrating back home. Is what I would suggest yeah. for. Don't Argos walk looking fans. down at your phone. No, like, I'm just saying it's up. not the time. I would guess to say what bars are in Hamilton where we can go celebrate this and then get loud and drunk <laughs> with at. an Argos jersey on. Just yeah, keep your drinking to a minimum. Get to the train. And then do the celebrating back in Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's my open suggestion. If Toronto wins a great cup in Hamilton, just a light suggestion. We'll discuss later. <laughs> anyway, playoff baseball. Haven't done a lot on, but the Orioles, the Orioles are out. They got swept. Three yeah, 101 games win the American league. Bye-bye. Boom. Gone. No wins. Mm-hmm. Ouchie. Ouchie. I have a pretty sad stat, but the AL East to throw at you. Yeah, tell me. They so won the no AL East in the 2023 regular season, yeah. the best record by a five-team division in MLB history. Yeah. The AL East in the 2023 postseason. Yeah. The no. most losses without a win by a single division in postseason history. Division of losers. <laughs> the division of yeah, losers. And the worst part about this is like, I hate the Rays and I hate the Yankees and I hate the Red Sox. I truly do. I despise those organizations. But I, I don't hate the Rays. I don't, I don't hate, yeah, I don't hate deeply the Orioles the, the same yeah. way. I just don't. True. I like their colors. I'm wearing orange today. Oh, there you go. Look at that. No, it's good. They got good, they got good gear. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, logo. Fun, fun players. Smiling bird. Yeah, like, good logo. Yeah. I just like the Orioles, all right? I'm not. I'm ashamed to admit that I kind of like them. Maybe I won't after a while. I think they, that's probably the case. And they, they, they did, and they did beat the Blue Jays' brains in this year. I didn't yeah. like them while I was at the game, yeah. all right? When They've I got betting, a little more leeway, but not much, no, I don't I, think. I, I, went to, I went to a home series against the Orioles, and they lost them all, and I hated that time. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be honest, but, didn't have a good time. No, but I, I just, I, they haven't built up the hate for me yet. I'm kind of jealous of their team. They're just like, they're kind of like the Sabres to me. There's the, the Sabres. plucky young O's. Yeah, the Sabres I and agree. the Orioles are kind of like in the same pocket where I go, I hope you're good. And then as soon as they're too good, I'm like, I hate your guts. Except Baltimore's yeah. not going to yeah. pay anyone. Yeah. And the Sabres have paid their dues. Yeah. <laughs> um, feel bad for the Orioles. I feel bad for their fans. Uh, I don't feel bad for their owner. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 I kind of like it that he's not getting any yeah, more playoff checks in the his best. pocket. That one's not bad. But they're fine. Like, who cares? Like, you're, you're going to be all right. These windows change quickly. Like, you can learn that from the Jays. And mm-hmm. you're right, the, the money mm-hmm. thing. But next year, they should be fine. They lost their closer. It felt like that was a big one going into the playoffs. Yep. Didn't end up really mattering because they weren't protecting any leads. <laughs> but, yeah, the bigger one to me that pissed me off yesterday was watching Sonny Gray in the first inning give up multiple runs. Gave up eight hits, five runs over four innings yesterday. Yeah. 
that. As the Twins got smashed. And the entire broadcast, I watched it just hating baseball. <laughs> the entire broadcast. <laughs> the entire broadcast, the analyst just keeps going. They're just sitting on a sweeper. They're yeah. sitting on a sweeper. They really have. Well, they're making hard, more hard yeah, contact on that like, sweeper. They're just waiting on the sweeper. He doesn't have it located well. And, yeah. you know, they really, they went into the. The, the cage and they just practiced all yeah. week for the sunny gray sweeper and the cha- the off speed stuff. They're sitting on it and they're all over it and they're pounding. Things look it. like a beach ball. And I was like, "Why get into Jerry's do that?" Yeah. Do we not have that pitching machine that they're talking about that helps you hit the sweeper? Because they've got some explaining <laughs> to do. Just tough to watch him go from. And, uh, I'm not trying to be revisionist here, but remember I did mention how I wasn't really all that afraid of Sunny Gray in the postseason. He's like, "Yeah, smart guy." Good pitcher, weak division. Anyway, like, God, so frustrating. Anyway, <laughs> just this playoffs finds ways to just get worse and worse and worse. It's going to be like the Rangers in the World Series. It's going to be Rangers D-backs. And the D-backs. They're going to be like, be- your only hope at keeping it away from the Rangers is Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hitting. Could, oh. could you imagine it's the Rangers and the D-backs and you got to watch Moreno and Gurriel? I could imagine. Yeah, I'm going to do series. this on Good Hour with Friday, on Friday with Ennis, and maybe I'll mm. tee it up a bit tomorrow because tomorrow is the uh, Shapiro Media Conference Day. Mm-hmm. But how the Moreno-Gurriel, the, the more success they have in the postseason, the bigger the story becomes and the more like, because it's baseball. You're not really watching the National League all yeah. the time. And mm-hmm. Gabriel Moreno shows up, you know, uh, on a guy's Twitter feed yeah. or a, a guy's Twitter post going, these are Gabriel Moreno's numbers. And you're like, all right. And then it goes away. And then he shows it's, up it's in just, clips it's, throughout it's, the uh, season. It's not in your face all the time. Yeah. Uh, now it is going to be. Anyway, all right. We only had a couple minutes. What else did we miss? Uh, Cool story out of the NBA. Intei Huang, I believe his name is, uh, moved his family 7,000 miles in 2020 to try to become a basketball official. Well, he was named an NBA ref for this upcoming season. That's a pretty cool so, story. That's so much dedication to be a ref. To be a ref, which seems like a lot. I have no interest in being ref. Like, you're being a <laughs> Dude, narc. You're a, pro, you're a professional narc. Yeah. Okay. This is the only reason I needed to do this today. <laughs> And we needed to get this in is because this was another morning where I stepped into just the war zone. And actually, I got to say, I got to say, credit to Mackie. Because normally he's the one that's just stirring the pot and taking shots at people and getting them all fired in the morning. And you looked like the angel of peace. You looked like the peacemaker. No, he was the calm one today. Yeah. It was like, me and Armin that were kind of going. Were you the it. peacemaker? I was trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... I so Armin seems to be like really pushing in as the hot take. You know, Mackie, do you feel like this? He's changing you. Like Armin's, Armin's new. No, one person take. on the show's changing me, but it's not Armin. He's not. <laughs> he, he's like it's Armin. Simon. Armin is actually like he's bringing the hottest takes. He's taking the worst positions. Pro ref. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pro ref guy. Like wild. Tough one. Although I bet you when LeBron cried and remember when LeBron like held his hand and like looked up at the uh, camera. Like pounded the floor. Yeah, that yeah. ref is not oh, in the see? NBA anymore. See him just have a meltdown right now. He's like, he couldn't even. He's not in the NBA. He's not in the NBA anymore. We got him fired. Lakers oh, fans. man. You guys are cancel culture. Lakers fans, cancel culture. We <laughs> got him fired. One ref, one ref misses one call on LeBron and, and the Lakers fans are like, obviously he can never do another game, right? LeBron's like, yeah, don't worry. I'll take care of this guy. I'll make sure he's out of the NBA. 
Anyway, pro ref show. <laughs> Didn't realize that Armin was going to be a pro ref guy. Ta- taking Scott Foster's side in the CP3 debate. It was a pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was a position yeah, I didn't until either. Today. I didn't either. I thought it was and universal. Was like, yeah, everyone was like, yo, doesn't that suck that one of the game's best players ever has a ref that has an axe to grind with him? Yeah. And that we have like a whole history of referees doing this. Like we know this is a part of the NBA. And Armin's like, <laughs> I watched one game and there wasn't any Chris Paul fouls. I was like, oh yeah. Even though the narrative was like, all right, yeah, no, over 15 case. at that point. And now man. he's a warrior. So, you know, Arvin hates him even more. Anyway, um, <laughs> we got to go. Maple Leafs hockey night, Leafs talk after, and we will see you tomorrow with the return of Christopher Stieg.